0: Welcome to Reviewing Westworld, it is Entertainment Talks podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO and Sky Atlantic. I'm your host, Matthew, and joining me today is Chris. How are you doing today? I'm
1: doing good, Matt. How are you?
0: Good. I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. Yeah. I uh, Last yeah. week, I had some... My notes for Game of Thrones were a bit more rushed because of something came up in the schedule, but um, yeah, I got them nice and sort of in time, and um, yeah, went pretty well. Uh, so this is for episode... Sorry, for Season 7, Episode 3, 703, The Queen's Justice. There's some justice going on for the Evil Queen and some other bits and bobs. Uh and some justice for some other people as well, which we'll talk about. What did you think of this episode?
1: I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I hear from a lot of people before watching it that it was more mainly like a filler episode. So I was a bit concerned, I but don't I, I had to, to say that. it was... I I think it was good filler. It like filler can often be like using a negative light, but um, in some ways it really expanded out like the characters and showed like where and where they're going now. So yeah. I can I can say that it was a decent episode with a few twists at the end.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I I disagree that this episode was filler at all. I mean, you had Jon and Danny meeting, and then you had the mini Stark reunion, which wasn't as happy as it could be because of Bran um but I thought there's some great stuff in this episode um mm. there's some good comedy moments Tyrion's kind of back on form with some of some of his comedy there's some yeah sort of small I say small battles there's like thousands of people um yeah small kind of scale battles and then there's some dragon action that was funny um fire and ice met which is Danny and John, um and then they had some squabbling but they acknowledge that it was squabbling I mean Davos comes in and he's like you know if you two don't stop squabbling we're gonna be skulls and and skeletons that are you know no longer fighting because the white walkers have come in and killed us all so I thought that was I like in TV shows when things are happening and characters kind of acknowledge the stupidity of it yeah well not the stupidity because this isn't stupid it's just more squabbly than it needed to be. Um, but the characters acknowledged it and it made that better so I that, that could have gone down a worse path but it, it worked quite well uh some good stuff with jaw in here which I'll talk about which I was delightfully surprised with I'll, I'll talk about that mm. as we get to the scene um yeah so yeah, there's some that was, that was good stuff happening in this episode I thought it was it was pretty good. Uh, I watched collider TV talk after and I listened to a couple of other things you know get you, you get the general consensus before you come on here and talk kind of thing. Um, and people saying this is, like, top five episodes, I wouldn't say it's that good, but I wouldn't, like, strongly, strongly disagree with that, I would say it's top ten, maybe not top five though, so, uh, yeah, that's my kind of short little intro opinion, um, so John and Davos arrive at Dragonstone with their men and are met by Tyrion, Tyrion says it's been a long road, which I think was a nice callback to sort of season one, he's sort of talking to John and it's like, he's like, uh, it's been a long road. Uh, Because they met in the pilot episode, I I think. Uh, Or at least in the first season. Um, Tyrion meets Davos. Uh, They then hand over their weapons. Davos and uh, Missandei have a nice little chat. And then he says the place has changed since he's been here. Or since he last came here, whatever. Um, They have a nice little chat about that. Uh, As they walk up the stairs to Dragonstone, where a dragon suddenly goes over the top of them. (laughs) Scaring Jon and Davos and nobody else. Which I thought was quite funny. So, um, what did you think of this kind of opening scene?
1: I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, mainly because we get straight to what we wanted really to see John and Daenerys kind of meet up, mm. or at least John and Stavos to get to Dragonstone. Um, I think the interactions between John and Tyrion were quite delightful in some way because. It's what we, we've been waiting for for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I remember in season one when they were talking and the, um, the, the contrast in personalities really worked out well. They mm. got like a good dynamic there. Um, but obviously Tyrion's in a lot more power at the moment and uh, he's yes. been through stuff as... Kind of. yeah. yeah, and, and Jon's often... Jon's got more power on his side so they're now seeing how that's going to work out when they form an alliance. Mm. Um. And, yeah, I, I just... I like this um, first scene, because it was... it All it was is just introducing the characters that came from, like... Um, came from Essos, like, uh, like Masande, yeah. to, like, Davos and um, John who... Uh, and, like, Davos has a conversation with Masande and they get, like... Um, and it, it seems rather kind of friendly yeah. at the time, but then, obviously, uh, they haven't met Daenerys yet, at this point. <laughs> and yeah. things... Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, negotiations go a bit pear-shaped from then on.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to tell who has... I mean, um, Tyrion's the Hand of the Queen, or the Yeah, of Dragons, but John's like the King of the North. But then, one, John doesn't really want that power. He's said that before. Two, it kind of seems like he doesn't know how to use it, maybe? He's not been empowered that long, or at least is what I, from what I can gather. Like, it's been like, what, four episodes? Yeah. Um, so, like, the finale of last season... Um, so I kind of I, agree, agree with you on there what did you think when the dragons came above their heads I thought oh, that was right. really
1: funny. yeah um, I guess that just shows John like Denev's complete like power that she has um, and how she's you know another another person like it's not just uh, she's not just backed up by like at like human allies yeah she's got like dragons on her side which is crazy so um but going back to what you said about John, I think um I think that he does not want to be Lord um sorry, King of the North. But in some ways I don't feel like he's unsuited for it. Like I have to agree with a lot of his decisions that he's made so far. Yeah. Um yeah. especially to go down and meet Daenerys at Dragonstone. That was something that a lot of people disagree with in his camp, but he did that anyway. I respect that because yeah, me too. he had some good logic behind that. And, um, he's, and you see later in this episode about him uh, declining to bend the knee because of his kind of honour that he has for himself, which um, I also kind of respect. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't completely intelligent, but, again, it's down to honour, which is what the Starks have.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe it's just a case of, um, like, he's gotten into power and maybe, maybe he completely doesn't want it but maybe like once he gets used to it he might want it a bit more like maybe he doesn't quite know how to kind of use it in that way because he's kind of just got it so um yeah i mean it's different if you have like let's say you have like a presidential election that they go on for ages and they put out all these plans and then they become president it's a little bit different where he kind of just got it chanted a at him and like, yeah. he was just kind of there. It's a little bit like I'm going to make a nice Walking death comparison it's a bit like when um, Rick has said this in the comics as well and I think he said it in the show uh, like this has kind of happened I didn't want it but I've kind of embraced it and maybe John just hasn't got to the embracing stage yet of like he didn't want this but maybe he just hasn't quite got to grips with it yet so I think it'll be yeah. interesting to see how he handles it for the rest of the season. Definitely yeah, yeah. And whether he remains king or hands it to Sansa or, I don't know, whatever he decides to do. i interested, It's not yeah. going to be Littlefinger, is it? So, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, he's not going to let that happen. I don't think anybody... Definitely should. not, no. no. I wouldn't trust Littlefinger with... Literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Melisandre, not to confuse it with Missande, Uh So Melisandre and various have a chat. She says that she made has made some mistakes and um, he doubts her not returning because when the lion tastes the man... Um, there is never anything so sweet again. I like the way he delivers that line as well. As, I don't know, it was really well acted that specifically that line. Yeah. Um, uh, never so sweet again, but she says she has to die in Westeros. Like, cause she yeah. says she's going to go away to somewhere else, but she has to come back here and die. Do you think this as uh, thinking about to the season five premiere when she takes that necklace off, necklace off and she's like that really old person do you yeah. think this has anything to do with that? Because we haven't really seen much of that since she took the necklace off.
1: Um, I'm not too sure, because her character is quite... Um, I wouldn't say quite complex, but in some ways it's just a bit hard to get to grips with. Mm. Because you've got this whole confusion over what the Lord of Light is and her religion and whatnot. But um, yeah, mm. the fact that she said she wants to die in Westeros is um, maybe foreshadowing for what does happen. I mean, it would be very blatant foreshadowing, but yeah. at the same time, it's you know, it's very much possible with her situation that she's got at the moment. Mm. And I did like, a, yeah, I did like a conversation with Varys because you've got two kind of intelligent people who uh, who've never met before. I don't think.
0: I don't um, think they have. They might have, but I can't remember if they have or not.
1: They've never, never met her before. And come from really different backgrounds. Like she's um she's mostly you know, serve people in battles and whatnot, and Varus has just been on the side, being the strategist. So it's an interesting alliance if they form one. Mm. But, yeah, I like the kind of interesting conversation that they had there.
0: Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, John and Davos uh, finally meet with Danny, uh, and it's just a bit of a... Um, a bit of, like, a scrabble, bit of a kind of... Um, kerfuffle, uh, Masandi says Danny's long name and says all the different names that she is, and Davos says, uh, John is just the son of the king, so it says his kind of short names, he's got all these other things like uh, coming back to life and being stabbed in the heart and stuff, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. Uh, mm-hmm. she then reminds... About uh, Torin Stark and Aegon Targaryen, I think I said those names right, and the bending of the knee and like all the ancestral sort of history there. And she assumes Jon is there to bend the knee to her. Um, He doesn't. He doesn't judge uh, her for her father's sins, which is pretty smart. You shouldn't really do that. Uh, Jon says that they are um, they are there for each other's help, which is true. John says that uh, this scrabbling isn't worth it and that the White Walkers are coming. She isn't fully convinced, um, he says, about meeting the Night King and the White Walkers. And, of course, it all sounds like gobbledygook to, to her. Danny talks about everything she's been through and says her fa- faith kept her going. And, of course, it was worth her to keep her herself going because of where she is now. Uh, Davos agrees with John and says that we may all be sitting like skeletons on the throne anyway. So, pretty good scene as these two finally meeting in the, the way that we sort of wanted to, but I like the fact that it's acknowledged that, you know, we can stand here and argue if he, if he, if he should bend the knee or not, or, like, what either of these people should, should and shouldn't do, but ultimately they need each other because of what's coming and because of what's happening. Um, fair enough, like, Cersei is um, the king of... Um, called King's Landing at the moment, the Queen of King's Landing, but she's not really the immediate threat. The threat that's on its way is the White Walkers like we've discussed. So what did you think of the scene?
1: Well, I thought it was very good, the way it was um, set out. Um, I, th- I did like the bit um, where Miss was listening up for the narrative titles, and they just said, that wasn't Jon, and he's just like, it's Jon Snow. It's just Jon Snow. Mm. Um, he like <laughs> he's king Snow of the North. Or... <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't sound quite as good as uh, Daenerys' titles, but yeah, um, I did like the kind of little power play that thing that was going on there because Jon was trying to defend his honor and speak for the people of Winterfell mm. and trying to say, okay, well, I've been through all of this. I'm a Stark. Um, I, I have like I've um, done like like won loads of battles. I'm king of the North and whatnot. Daenerys was like I'm the rightful queen of the whole of the Seven Kingdoms and whatnot. So yeah, um, yeah it was it was quite interesting to see how um, see how they worked out. But I did um I did find um in one point um where then I felt like Daenerys was slipping up a bit, and I don't want maybe, to
0: th- the,
1: maybe yeah yeah um because her logic at the point one point was okay well the Starks are served um like under like the Baratheons for quite a while um and like under the sorry under the whoever's the whoever the monarch is for quite a while why are you why are you going against it and then John and then um John's like reply to her was like well you're you're Targaryen you have no claim to the throne and then her her response to that was just well I'm the rightful queen and it was just like Mm. hmm not too sure about that one yeah it was um, it was a, a little bit dodgy on her side, and I don't want to see her become any, like show any more signs of becoming like a mad queen because you <laughs> have seen a mad king. Yeah. Um, and sometimes what I felt like she was just standing there quite motionlessly. I, f- I thought, so I I thought that could be like hinting that she's not uh she's not all quite right now. Um, but I don't know. I hope that she doesn't like become bad or anything.
0: Yeah, we already have a mad king. Don't need a mad one as well. So
1: yeah. She, um, I think, like I think Cersei is already kind of mad with power at the moment, or whatever yeah. she's, what is whatever is fueling her at the moment. Yeah. Because this episode,
0: you're uh, joining forces as well. So this
1: episode, she goes quite crazy, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Cersei, it's
0: the queen's revenge. I mean, yeah, yeah. like sure, Danny's got these fifteen titles. Well, it's not fifteen; it's like six or seven. But she's got all these titles. Yeah. Sure, she's got loads of power. She's got loads of people. She's got three dragons and everything. John is still the king of something, he's not nobody, so I think him sort of standing there and saying, you know, I'm still king of the north, I don't have to bend the knee to you necessarily, I think it was good for him to uh, to stand his ground there, I thought that was, that was done really well, and I like the way that sort of, um, what's his name again, um, Davos is sort of... Uh, you know, chipping in every now and then to sort of support Jon, and then like Cer- Cersei. Danny's got Tyrion there as well to support her and stuff, and they're they're all Davos and Tyrion are trying to kind of be like the parents in this situation, and try and, and somewhat, them, yeah, yeah, square yeah. them back round. So I thought it was pretty good as well. Yeah. Um Varys, yeah. This is sort of shortly after the same scene. Uh, Various updates. Danny on the Sand snake. She comes in and tells them. Uh, tells her about what's happened and with the Greyjoys Theon is brought ashore Uh, Euron is walking through the streets of King's Landing with Yara and the Sand Snakes by chains, basically Uh, He presents them to Cersei and she imprisons them Um, We don't see what happens to Yara No
1: um, Euron's taken out I
0: think We see where the Sand Snakes are taken they're taken into that little dungeon but I don't remember seeing Yara afterwards um yeah, presents them to Cersei, she imprisons them. Cersei then goes to meet the Sand Snakes in the uh, I called them last week the Dawn people. They're still from Dawn, but they're called the Sand Snakes, so Yes. Uh she goes to see them in the dungeon. Uh she poisons the daughter by drinking the poison and then kissing her, the same way that they did to her daughter. And then she takes this um cure thing after which her um advisor gives her. Um she poisons the daughter and says to the mother that she will watch her daughter die in the, in the cell because she will be, like, force-fed to be kept alive. The mother will. And then she'll, like... As a result, her daughter won't be fed or or given any water or anything to live. So she'll just sort of slowly die. Euron um, takes another stab at Jamie as well. I can't remember exactly what he said. I probably should have written it down, but it was pretty funny. Do you remember what he said? Um, was that something was like, one? I did this and you couldn't sort of thing? This is when oh, he, yeah. he sort of goes yeah. into King's Landing with them, and then he's like, "Look what I bought you," and sort of get, takes a stab at Jaime. I thought was quite good. Yeah. Um, Cersei then goes in to see. Wait, that's the next scene. So, what did you think of this like dungeon thing?
1: Dungeon thing was very well executed on Cersei's part, um, considering how you know she's finally kind of regaining power after the the struggle that she's had in the past few episodes. Mm. Um, I mean, the way that she, she manipulated both the Laria and the Sand Snake, um, I think it's Tyene that's still alive, she doesn't really matter. Um, mm. and... I've, I've but, seen
0: some people talk about these Sand Snakes and be like, I'm not writing their names down because I literally don't care about the characters, which is, yeah, it's harsh, true. but, you know, I just call yeah. them the, the, the Dornish mother and daughter, because they're the only two that are left now, anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't feel like um, I don't feel like I care too much about the sand snakes or whatever. But this scene was really well done. Mm. Um, personally, because you get to so, say, deal with the problem hands on. She um she addresses the fact that Alaria poisoned her daughter, mm. and how much that affected her. Um, and then she says, "Right, well, I'm going to do some kind of poetic justice here, and do the same to your daughter." Mm. Um. And just what? And instead of like having to, um, and instead of me not seeing my daughter's daughter die, you're going to have to watch your daughter die in a cell. As you close um, your eyes, but I guess yeah. So. Hmm. But it's still going to happen right in front of you, and you know, you. She said that I think she said that Alaria going to be in there for the rest of her days or something. Probably. So um, yeah, she's just going to see the rotten corpse of her daughter, which is not a nice thought. But yeah. Uh, yeah quite a lot of poison this episode if you think
0: about what happens later mm. Mm. yeah um yeah i thought the the three actresses and the uh because the what's the the big guy's name again not the hound the the mountain mountain like you know he doesn't really do much in, he's sort of standing in the corner so but he what he does he does pretty well i guess um but the the acting from the three actresses, including uh Lena Lena Hedy, I think her name is. Um yeah. they pulled it off really well. Um, there's an interview out there, I heard about it yesterday. Uh, with the all the I think it's all of the sand snakes, like even the dad as well, I I'm not sure. But they talk about like how much they were looking forward to do this role and it was like done much better in the books and then they just messed it up kinda badly. Um, it's a bit like the yeah. same situation, situation like Andrea in The Walking Dead. Like the actress was so up for it, but they just kind of messed it up. Um, I think they yeah, that, that was, it's kind of equally messed up the, the two storylines that I'm, I'm pointing out. Um, but yeah, they basically said in the interview like how bummed they were that you know it didn't go down well and that the fans were so disappointed with the characters and stuff, which is unfortunate, but. These things do happen. So things come out, and fans are expecting better of stuff. And sometimes they don't deliver. Sometimes they over deliver. It's just you know the way things are. But um, yeah, go and check the interview out if you can uh, if you can find it on the on the internet. Um, But yeah, I mean like this is the the reference to the title with the whole Queen's revenge because they killed her daughter in the same way, and she's finally imprisoned them. And it helps with the connection to Euron because he's the one that brought them back um and then like yeah just torturing the two of them so do you think there's any way at all they can get out of there
1: um i don't see it unless yeah. uh, well at this point i feel like it's going to be a bit more i want to i torture but kind of because they're going to be very like painful and slow mm. but just generally like yeah, there'll there'd probably be a few teams in the season where they flick back to them yeah. see where they are but I don't see anyone coming into King's Landing just to save those two mm. I mean, uh, I can't say that you know, I'm, I can't say the most hated characters, but they're not the most likeable or useful ones I
0: agree. Yeah,
1: um, for Daenerys or Jon or anyone, so um, chances are they'll stay there and I, I don't know I, I feel like I feel like something could change but
0: I'm not sure maybe, maybe the mother could survive Oh, she is going to survive because she said that she would stay there for the rest of her life. So maybe she could get rescued, but I think the daughter's dead. So because she's already got the poison in her now. So yeah, yeah.
1: But she's got like the mother's. It's probably going to be really like hot and dusty in that like um in, in that cell there. So, so. yeah, she's going to struggle with um hydration, starvation, and everything. So yeah, she's got a few issues
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on, let's talk about John and Tyrion. They have a chat by the sort. Thor- cliffs like the edge of dragonstone um yeah. john says he's a prisoner um given the scene we've just come from i don't think you're much of a prisoner john uh and Tyrion jokingly disagrees and john says you took uh my ship <laughs> continues to be funny Tyrion continues to be funny sorry i lost so much i skipped over his name um john still goes on about the white walkers and Tyrion compares them to cersei Tyrion says John is asking for too much of Danny after one meeting, which is true. Tyrion then goes back to Danny to talk about Dragonglass. He uh actually do you wanna stop there? Um Yeah. So yeah, John saying I'm a prisoner, given the scene we've just come from um is uh kinda funny. Like he's not being allowed to leave, but he's being fed and like he's not tied up or anything like that, so Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in his eyes, he's, he feels like a prisoner, I guess. So. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: That was and, a bit... Um,
0: and it. when when uh, Tyrion's like... Sorry, John says like, Oh, you took my ship. And uh, Tyrion's like, We didn't took it. We just sort of haven't given it back to you yet. Sort of. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, Tyrion really came back with the comedy in this episode.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I think it works better when it's just one-on-one with someone um like a character yeah especially uh, like well, john
0: who is always kind of got along with not seen much of but always got along with so I thought yeah like
1: bigger. um in the previous scene you see like daenerys um and john having a conversation mostly mm. um and Tyrion only being able to like kind of chirp in and it was very serious because john was quite like angry at how uh daenerys was acting yeah um but now it's just like one-on-one Seems to calm down i don't agree that john's a prisoner um, I don't think I don't he think just feels lucky, like
0: scenes, I guess. Uh,
1: yeah. He, I mean, I, I, can't say he's free to go anytime, but he doesn't. He's not exactly locked up. No, he's, they're he's, they're trying to work something out with him, uh, some sort of deal, even if it's not a proper alliance. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I did like the scene because it, you, Tyrion really got got to flex this kind of comedy, which you missed. Um, you know, he's with um, you know, Brian before. Um, the, the pairing of those two was incredible. Um, I hope to see that again sometime soon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, within this scene, uh, you, you do get to also see that Jon um, is really trying to stress upon Tyrion that the White Walkers are the main threat, rather than Cersei, and he's just like, "Oh, if that's if that's true, then yeah, sure, but we can't convince Daenerys that because she's never seen them before." And you you've not seen too much of Cersei in power either, so it's it's, it's an interesting conflict. Um, they've just got to, I, I think they've just got to, you know, for, like um, do what they did really, just like <laughs> let Jon and have the Dragon Glass, and see if um, see if you know the deal can work out that way.
0: Yeah. Uh Tyrion then goes back to Danny to talk about Dragonglass and he says, A wise man once said that you shouldn't believe a thing just because you simply want to believe it. Uh, she asks who that man is and he says he doesn't remember who it is. Um <laughs> he also says that he wouldn't present his own facts, his ancient wisdom to her. Another great scene. Um just the way like not not in a funny way, but like the way <laughs> Tyrion's like this you know lying little kind of I don't want to say child but the way that Danny kind of looks down at him as if like it, it's like when you say to a child oh, did you take this sweet and it's like no I didn't do it kind of thing <laughs> Um, and like he he, she knows he's joking but like in a nice way as if like this is still he's still not lying to her but he's just joking about where the, the quotes come from um, I yeah. thought this was a great scene what did you think? Oh,
1: yeah, um, I, I do think that Tyrion is a bit like a child of the humour sometimes. But um, mm. I think I think Daenerys is just um, trying to take everything seriously, and Tyrion's every now and then he'll just chirp him with a joke that's kind of unexpected, really. Um, which I think is what makes his character like really good, because um, sometimes he can he can go from like really serious to completely logical and strategic mm. and then he might just throw in like an off like an offhanded joke mm. that will throw people off um i did like the scene as well because it introduced the next scene with the battle and showed how Tyrion knows castle rock by yeah. the back of his hand um and how mm. to get in and whatnot um
0: A secret little passage <laughs>
1: um and um I, I can't remember the exact quote that he said but when they went through the doors he was he, he quoted something that bron said to him before
0: Oh, like, give, give me, give me ten good men, and I'll impregnate the bitch, and it'll oh, uh, yeah. impregnate the bitch. Yeah, that yeah,
1: that, that was brilliant, and that's where his narration stops. So that's, that's that's just perfect, really. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, John and Danny meet again. They have a little chat. Uh, she agrees to mine dragon glass and says she'll provide what he needs. She also says that it, uh, she'll not let Cersei sit on the throne forever, which you know, we we know that, she wants the throne in the end, she's just trying to plan around it without killing too many innocent people, because, you know, if the dragons fly over King's Landing and start burning people, then there's no guarantee that civilians aren't going to die, so. Um, yeah, glad they finally came to some kind of agreement after the bit of a squabble earlier, uh, with, with their sort of first meeting conversation kind of thing, so. Yeah, hope to see this go somewhere in the next episode, it's sort of slowly moving itself forward this plot like he gets the raven from danny and then he goes to meet her and then he has the little squabble and then they uh agree on the dragon glass thing which is pretty good so yeah, yeah quite a nice little scene
1: i thought it was quite good um mainly because you do get to see the fact that john wants us john wants the alliance a lot more than the daenerys does because she doesn't see the help in it um yeah. she doesn't know the threat of the white walkers but uh, John, John does, Jon's experience on the battlefield. I can't mm. say Daenerys hasn't experienced battles, but mainly it's her dragons and her people fighting for her rather than her herself on the battlefield.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and her, I don't think our enemies have been anything as tough as the white walkers to deal with. Um so I, I yeah I do, I do I do find that the the dynamic between the two is very kind of awkward and has a lot of tension at the moment. Yeah. And Jon's really trying to stress that these White Walkers are a thing and something that she needs to care about. Mm. But She doesn't see it at this point. Um, but um, I do feel like he's. He, I, don't, I don't. I do feel like he's um, acts quite weak in front of her. The way he's constantly asking things from her, um, and he's just meant to be some sort of king, and he's meant to like order things around. Mm. King of the North, he says. Um, but yeah, she like in the previous few scenes when they had uh John Daenerys there, you see that John uh, well Daenerys calls John like a lord rather than a king. Yeah. Um to really belittle him down. And there's people still in the Game of Thrones fandom that think John and Daenerys are gonna become a thing. I don't think so.
0: Not at this point, but you know in six, seven episodes next season or whatever we'll we'll, we'll see what their relationship is like, but not at the moment, Because so. 'cause they're much more no, I mean... <clears throat> they're much more business than anything at the moment, so Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're
1: not. Um, I, I don't think they're. <laughs> they're gonna hook up or anything anytime soon. They've got a very different personality, I'll tell you that. Yeah. From you see, see from the start. Um, John's not a natural leader, but he's been put in a position where he has to. He's a leader into battles, but when it comes to st- strategic uh, negotiations, he can't really do that. That as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's good that like. Danny's kind of, in my opinion, Danny's got, her outlook is kind of like, I don't necessarily believe John or I don't think he's lying, but I have this stuff that he needs that I don't need or want that will help him whether he's lying or not, mm. so I'll give it to him. And then it yeah. won't affect me if he's lying or that fails, I guess, so. And
1: yeah. I'm quite um, proud of that you didn't tell him to bend the knee again in that scene Um <laughs> yeah. so you just let him get on with it it's just like fine go on take my men take the glass, go <laughs> do what you every need to every time they do. meet
0: are you going to be in the knee yet? no you're going to be in the knee yet? no, the knee? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah it's good that that's not coming up so uh, where are we now uh, Sansa is taking charge at the north at the wall um, it's, they don't have enough food she takes advice from Littlefinger for some reason he sort of says consider all your options basically uh, then Bran shows up for a mini-stock reunion, and he says that he uh, doesn't have time to explain the three-eyed rating thing. Yep. Um, why doesn't he have time to explain that?
1: One, because it's probably too complicated to put into words at this point and make sense, considering Sansa just met him. Mm-hmm. And two, it would probably shock Sansa a bit, considering she already seemed quite shocked by uh, what he was saying. Um, I mean Brian at the moment is completely emotionless from what we can tell he's he's seen death in itself he's not gonna like be completely open with everyone and um, yeah it's obviously affected him, his sight
0: yeah I mean like you can clearly see he's not like not all kind of with it like he's he's seen everything and like He's gone through a lot and you know, he got pushed out of the tower and he never he hasn't recovered yet or, or whatever's going on with him. Um but him saying to Sansa like, I'm the three eyed raven but I can't explain it to you is must be quite annoying for her.
1: It must be. Um particularly because Brian is someone that, you know, he's the it's the brother of but and she deeply cares about him but obviously he's changed and she wants to know what experiences he went through. Mm. Um which is quite um which is quite ironic because Bran has a vision where he can see stuff in the past and the future. So he saw what Sanders has been through, but she can't see what he's been through.
0: Yeah, and I mean like of all the Spark reunions, this is probably gonna be the weakest. I mean he had like no emotion towards it. She did, but he really didn't, and I think that even if all the Stark children meet up individually, when they hopefully all meet together, it that will be hopefully the ultimate kind of payoff. So.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think Arya and Jon are the one I'm most looking forward to, but Arya's going back up north now, and Jon's already still down south, so that would be interesting to see when they meet again.
0: Mm. Um so yeah, that's their sort of little meeting. Um, Jorah, I-, I quite like this one. Jora, the master, and Sam will meet. Jora's dragon scale is completely gone. Uh, the master checks him with some kind of temperature thing, sort of, mm. uh, and he says he appears to be clear of the grey so he doesn't have some kind of. I spoke last episode about him maybe having something kind of having some kind of inner inf- infection kind of thing, um, but he doesn't appear to have that. Um, so he appears to be clear of that. Uh, the maester asks to see Sam later Jorah then thanks Sam for the help And he says he's off to meet Danny Which I thought was pretty good It's like I'm cured, I'm off to meet Danny uh, yep. Later the maester meets with Sam Says he's proud But then asks Sam to rewrite what is in these books To keep them all from rotting away and being lost Um, So were you surprised when like the scene started And Jorah just had no grayscale on him?
1: Uh, Very, to yeah. honest um, I thought the Grayscale would be a lot bigger deal for Jorah than it was. I'm sure, I'm sure we went through a lot of pain and whatnot, but we only saw a bit of that last episode. And um, now he <coughs> seems, seems like he's fine. He's able to go without an infection. I mean, I'm not sure what this uh, what this tells or what this storyline was worth, but maybe we'll find out.
0: I think it was like a big risk with a lot of fear with... The threat of him dying being quite high, oh yeah, but then just completely evaporated.
1: Pretty much, um, mm. which I'm, I do... I'm
0: fine with. I didn't want this to go on for like three more episodes.
1: Yeah, because it was just a very limited kind of kind of uh,
0: yeah, character yeah.
1: dynamic. You've got someone who's like Sam who's trying to help out Jorah, and Jorah who's just the the reluctant recipient, and that was all there was really to it. Mm. Um, that I don't think any other characters could have come in at that point who's nearby and helped. Or change any situation. Um, so. But yeah I'm glad to see that Jorah's is okay. Because he's one of my favourite characters. Mm. Um, I do like his, what he stands for. And his morals. And his loyalty to Daenerys. Mm. So I'm yeah, I mean, glad he's okay.
0: Yeah I mean I'm glad that we didn't have like episode one. He takes Grace girl off his arm. Episode two it's his other arm. Episode three it's his chest. and It was just like one episode we saw him cut. Some of it and then it's gone. So and we didn't need to see him cut. We didn't need any more scenes of him cutting more grayscale off, so I thought that they handled this really well. Handled this really well. Um So what, do you think there's something what do you think is in these books that Sam's been asked to rewrite in case they rot away and are lost forever?
1: Um, I'm not too sure. But I feel like it's gonna be something integral or something that helped out John or mm. someone. Because, I mean you're um, gonna
0: see all the information in it if he's gonna be reading it and rewriting it also these can't be books that the maester is like, I can't have you looking at these. Kind of maybe
1: thing. more information on Dragonglass. I'm not sure. But um, another one, another theory that's going around at the moment, is that in those books, it reveals who John's real like m- parents are. Okay. Um, so and maybe then Sam will know that, and then he'll pass it on to John. But then he'll realise that it won't it won't give John a real kind of claim to the throne, but he's—I mean, it would because he's—he's he's still a Stark child, but he's not a child of Nen and Catelyn. That's the issue there. Yeah, he'd still be a bastard,
0: mm.
1: which is an issue you know? yeah.
0: Yeah, which we shall we see what's what's in these books. So, but uh, yeah, I really like these these scenes, and I'm glad that the storyline is is done and the characters can kind of move on with what they're doing. Um, yeah. Tyrion gets, I was a little bit confused on the geography of this until I looked it up a little bit more, uh, but we'll read the scene anyway. Tyrion gets Grey Worm and part of Denny's fleet uh, to take Castly Rock, but it doesn't mean much other than a small victory. Tyrion says the Lannisters fight for, fear, uh, fight for Cersei out of fear, whereas the Unsullied um, fight for freedom, therefore they will win even with less armour and weapons uh gray room asks where the rest of the lannisters are and then jamie turns up um i can't remember the name of the place i unfortunately forgot to write it down but it is a different uh area high garden i think high garden that's it thank you yeah. uh then jamie turns up to high garden and sees lady elena um and she is this part of the quote-unquote jetpacking because she was at dragonstone the last time we saw her i don't know how uh, far away these places are but it might be part of the jetpacking that people are honestly, I don't think they're
1: that far away, because I think is further south than Dragonstone, but not as far (laughs) south as uh, Castle Rock.
0: Yeah. Okay, I need to find a map for... uh, No, wait,
1: Castly Rock is on the west, never mind. Um, We'll we'll find it out soon.
0: (laughs) Cool. Um, Yeah, so apparently the jetpacking thing thing means that none of this is... none of the distance is going to matter, and that, like, Characters are going to be like turning up in different scenes. We we already discussed this a little bit in the previous two episodes, but uh, yeah, apparently, like buckle up for the rest of the season for it because it's going to get a bit crazy with the jetpacking stuff. Um But so, all right, yeah, I don't I don't mind that. I don't want to see ten minute sequences of characters travelling all around the places. So
1: unless we have to, like proper good interactions, like I don't know Tyrion and anybody yeah, else, yeah. like the MRI
0: uh... at Dragonstone, that's fair enough, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, Well yeah. Oh, something that really um, changes the how the character sees things. That's fine, mm-hmm. but anything yeah. else, you know, it's just not needed. Jetpacking is pretty good in any regard.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we don't see it, because that would, you know, we're not, not going to see an actual character jetpack. But you get what I mean. Um, yeah, you know, because you know, they don't have that this that technology in this era. But anyway. Uh yeah, he turns up and sees Lady Elena and she agrees to take her own life by poison, as it would be better than what Cersei would probably have planned for her. That's what I got from their dialogue. Or eventually have planned for her. He says that she would like string her up and display her and you know, kinda what they did with, with Ned Stark in his head, like display it on spikes and stuff. Um so yeah, it wouldn't be a great way for her to go. Jamie seems to agree with Lady Elena about Cersei in regarding to his fall. But he's, he he agrees with it, but not in a way of like, okay, I'm gonna go back and like run away from her kind of thing. Jamie's an interesting character to me at the moment. I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, she drinks the poison, and Jamie leaves the room, but not before she reveals that she's the one who gave the poison to Joffrey. Because she describes his yes. death, and she's not like she's she says. Um, it's not going to be like Joffrey, is it? Where, like, all these different things are happening, like blood's passing out of him and all these other kind of different things, which, you know, we saw yeah. the death in, in season three, two? Can't remember, I think it was season three. The Purple Wedding.
1: Season four. Season four, it was. Season four? Yeah, yeah. he died um, at
0: start. So, yeah, what did you think of this scene?
1: Um, I thought it was very good. Mainly not because it was the death of Elena, because I did like the character a lot. But um, specifically, how she tries to break down Jamie's like, ideals at the moment. Mm. His ideals is simply to follow Cersei because she's family, and um, he says, "Well, she's a monster," and and he's like, "Well, you don't know her like that. You know, you don't, you, you don't haven't spent years mm. with her as a sister and also somewhat a lover as well, which is, mm. makes things a little bit more awkward. Yeah, um, yeah
0: it's like with we your sister multiple times." Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I noticed how you skipped over those scenes. Um, he didn't pay. Yeah, I notes did write down. It
0: down. I forgot to. I kind of missed reading that. Um, but yeah, after after she um, speaks to the uh, sand snake, she does go back and, and see Jamie, and then she meets with the um. The other person that she's in debt from, the banker person. She says that like she'll pay their debt back in full. So.
1: Yeah. Well. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I th- I think what we can get from the scenes is that Cersei is a bit weird at the moment. Mm. Um, but anyway, back to Jamie and Elena. Um I I love Elena for the way she went out um, because she she went out in a very peaceful way, which Jamie kindly allowed her to.
0: Mm.
1: But um, but then, whilst she after she drank the poison, she was like, "Okay, right, well, I uh, I killed your son and everything." Mm. Like, it so was me, only rather only than anyway, Tyrion. So
0: might as well just tell you, sort of thing. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, and Jamie just can't do anything to stop it, because she's already going to die. He's not going to get her, his sword out and just, like, cut her head off or whatever. <laughs> no, he that just... would
0: have been... I, I, some people call violent scenes unnecessary. That would be not violently unnecessary, but character-wise, very unnecessary.
1: He just had to stand there while she said, Right, well, I'm not going to die, you're like the son who uh, had all these things horrible things happen to him, you yeah. know? Uh, that was me, by the way, not Tyrion, so you kind of screwed up there, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, Cersei's got this general hate towards Tyrion at the moment, because he believes that he killed Joffrey and Tywin. He did kill Tywin, not gonna lie, but um, there's no doubt about that one, but he didn't kill Joffrey, which might change things if Jamie goes back to King's Landing and tells Cersei what happened.
0: Um, yeah, I do like the way that The scene ends with him just walking out, and then it just it just ends. We don't need to see her like slowly collapse or anything like that. Or even if it's not the same type of death as Joffrey, we don't need to see her die. We we know it's going to happen, and we don't need to like return to that character. This was more of a like, you're going to go, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go, but I'm going to tell you this thing, and we're going to talk a little bit about Cersei and Joffrey and these other characters. But you didn't need to see her die, so I thought that that was very well done.
1: So that's all the um, major people from House Tyrell now gone. I think there's still have some ships left with people on them, but other yeah. like fighters. But other than that, um, all the major kind of House Tyrell characters are gone now.
0: Yeah, I do like in this episode how um, you don't get much action or much battle. And in you know people often say about like The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and some other similar shows. I can't think of any other off, off the top of my head. Um, these like big scale shows with like lots of characters and different you know opportunities for war and stuff that this was a negotiation episode you know you have this stuff with Jan- danny and um john and you have the stuff with this, this sort of there's a lot of chatting in this episode but it's yeah worth it like you have the negotiations with danny and john and then you have the talk between sam and jorah but then you find out what's going to happen with them and then um this stuff with lady elena and uh and jamie and then the stuff with cersei so there's a lot talking and stuff but it's it felt worth it so and we did get a small battle scene so it it was yeah yeah it was really good
1: i thought yeah i thought it was also good um because cersei is now making more alliances with smaller houses you remember after the red wedding a lot Mm. of characters like a lot of houses came into question about where their alliances kind of went and um they didn't get involved in the battle of bastards a lot of them so now that they're going now they're going down to King's Landing and pledging their alliance, lo- like their alliance to uh, to Cersei.
0: Mm.
1: So you have House Tully going down, and then you've got um, the army. And Ta- House Tully have a large army, from what I can tell. Um, and then you've got um, I think his name is Tycho Lannister. He was the guy who who's pl- played by Mark Gatiss from Sherlock. Um okay. Uh, he he was also having negotiations with Cersei. So she's slowly building up an army, and as mm-hmm. you see, the Lannister army, which you haven't seen in a while, is still going strong. Um, mm. And they still think... Jamie, so. Oh yeah, and um, because I think what they did in the, the first few episodes is that it made the Lannisters look weak because they didn't have men or armies, really. But then you forget how large the Lannister army actually is. Mm. Um, so when you saw it in this episode, you're like, whoa, she's not that
0: underpowered is she yeah yeah um did you notice in this episode when uh i noticed when grey one was fighting I was, I was watching his tactics a bit more he's kind of got this repetitive tactic that i don't know how none of the soldiers picked up he's got like, he puts his shield in front and then he puts his spear out and then he like rinses and repeats that and then of course he throws his spear i'm surprised yeah. like i know like he, he, he doesn't need to die because of his fighting tactics but i was a bit surprised by that but maybe he... I don't know. Maybe he didn't need to fight any better in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: it was quite easy for Grey Worm to get him uh, Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: But um, that's fine. But yeah, that's that's the end of the episode. Is there anything else you want to talk about? We do have an email, by the way. So I'll talk about that in a second. Unless you have anything else.
1: Um, do you want to just do like a quick kind of...
0: Small predictions?
1: Yeah, predictions. Kind of what, what do you think is going to happen next episode? And um, how does this episode change things? For the future around
0: Game of Thrones, uh, I think you'll see Jorah. Hopefully, uh, does he know where Danny is? Does he know that she's a Dragonstone?
1: Um, I don't. Wait, Sam has been. Sam didn't say something said something to. I swear, no, no. Um, he sent a letter to. No, I swear, he sent a letter to uh, John or something, didn't he? Or was that did
0: write a letter for Danny. I don't remember him actually sending it unless that was off screen
1: yeah but he wouldn't know where to go and I don't think Sam knows that Jorah's left Winterfell so that's the issue there Um, so they can't really like connect that way so I'm guessing um, I'm guessing something's gonna happen um, with Jorah and he'll he'll meet someone who'll tell Daenerys uh, tell tell, um, him where Daenerys is, is gone yeah. So that'd be interesting. Um I don't I'm not sure if he might do some jetpacking to get to where Daenerys is. But maybe, I, would, um, I would
0: be fine with that. Yeah. yeah for the sake of But I'm, time.
1: I'm waiting for when they uh, meet again because that'll be something quite emotional for both of them really. Because yeah. I think um I think when Jorah left to go curious grayscale, um he was on decent terms with Daenerys after his um of the kind of complications that they had beforehand, where she exiled him. So mm. I think yeah, I think it'll be a good thing for them to meet back up again.
0: Uh, yeah, so I think he'll turn up maybe to, to Dragonstone and, and talk with Danny and John, and we'll see what kind of happens with those. And of course, you've got uh, um, you've got Veris and um, what's his name again, Melisandre. Uh, You've got uh, you? Davos as well, the, the other person there. So, oh yeah, uh, I look forward to those conversations. Um, not sure what Elfin yeah. is doing. Still not sure what he is doing. He's giving Sansa like some advice and stuff, but um, I feel like
1: he's still um, he's still he's still plotting at the moment, and I feel like the way he's doing that is by getting into her head. Um, by what he did in this episode, where he was ju- just telling her uh, something very like. I say detached and not kind of easily related to. Like he didn't say any like pure facts. He was saying just just be aware of all your enemies coming from all directions. Mm. So he he's just trying to do mind games with her at the moment, hoping that she'll cave in. But I reckon he's got some other plan. He can't. He surely can't just can't be that.
0: Mm. Um. Yeah. I think you'll see something happen with with that, and maybe with with uh, Littlefinger at all and with Sansa. Um. What else was, there that was going on? I don't think you'll need to see the sand snakes next episode. You'll maybe see oh. something with Jamie and um, and Grey Worm, not together, but those plots advancing forward. Um, I don't yeah. need to see too much of Sam writing down what's in books, unless he finds something you know important about parentage or the Greystone. Uh, the Dragon Glass, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, not sure yeah. Where, where else? Um, this stuff's going to go? In the
1: past few episodes, you've seen Euron make a lot of big movements. You've seen him um, try yeah. to get something going with, um, like uh, Cersei, and then saying, "Right, well, I'm going to go away. I'll go get Yara for you." He then comes back in to King's Landing with, with Yara and uh, Laria and the Sand Snake, mm. and then leaves again to go up to go blow up the Unsullied ships. So, he's making a lot of big movements within one, like, a few episodes. It's quite ridiculous how he's, tra- he's jetpacking quite a lot. Um it's just good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind that stuff at all. Like, the plot can go as fast as it needs to. Um Like, I don't need to see characters travelling or, you know, just walking between destinations and stuff, so... I uh, reckon we're
1: gonna see uh Euron and Yara in the next episode though. Um, yeah, I wanna know
0: what, what's happened to her and what's going on with Theon as well.
1: Theon's wasn't it like his dad that picked him up? His father? I think so. Um yeah. but I swear his father got um you remember on in season six when Euron was there and he threw his father off the bridge. Um
0: I think I remember that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I thought but maybe his father the, the father just survived When I, mean, well, I say his, his father, I mean Theon and Yara's father, which would be yeah. his brother yeah. um, Balon Greyjoy so maybe, i guess he survived that and he's now pulled Theon out of the water
0: Hmm yeah, It'd be interesting to see what he does mm. uh, going forward as well um, So should we get to this email? Sorry? Should we talk about this email that we have? Uh, yeah. Cool, it's from Emily, so thank you Emily for sending this in, she says, hey guys, do you honestly see an ending where the White Walkers kill everyone, the Night's Knights King sits on the throne and maybe smiles at the camera and we cut to black, thanks for the good podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean this is more of, the bold move guys refer to them as the double D's. Uh, Damon something and the, the two guys that are, I think the showrunners at the moment uh, uh, I've yeah. heard Double D so many times I've forgotten their actual names it's um, DB
1: Vice and David Benioff I think I think that's it yeah, yeah.
0: Um. they're more showrunning the thing than George's, but I think yeah. George wouldn't mind doing that maybe <laughs> I, I don't know
1: no it's um. the thing is I think George is being a good advisor like he's if you see within like a lot of um of his interviews he's always the one who's kind of i won't say always but he's is answering a lot of questions about the tv series rather than the books yeah so i think that he knows where it's going as much as they do at the moment he's really um he's saying i think he told him where a dance of dragons is going to go when it finally does come out um so he, he they, they know how to give him the ending that he wants you know from the story mm.
0: um but do you see that as a possibility
1: Night King on the Iron Throne? Yeah. Um, I can't say no. I feel like it would be a big kind of screw you to people, um, but possibly. I mean, I'm sure he's very powerful, but I doubt you're going to just see him on the Iron Throne. Um, there's more of a chance of no one being on the Iron Throne than him, if you know what I mean. I don't think he wants the Iron Throne if he has any kind of conscience mm. or kind of morals. Um, I think he just wants to wipe out people, um, which is quite uh, a doom and gloom situation. But, you know, it isn't exactly bright, is it?
0: No, I mean, like, if he, like, smirks at the camera and then it cuts to black, it would be... It wouldn't be great, but it'd be funny and... In a small way, like that, that, that's almost George like winking us, or like the the double D's like winking at us to say, like, we did actually do this thing. Um, and like, yeah, I would that would be better than like a Dallas or whatever show it was that did the dream sequence thing, it would be better than something like that, where like I don't know, John wakes up and he's still at in season one or something.
1: No, 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 we're not doing that dream sequences is always bad in the TV series it seems but um yeah I I can't see the Night King on the Iron Throne um, Emily I think anymore but um yeah um but maybe maybe it would be a bit of a screw you to fans you have mm. been like rooting for s- these um, characters for so long and then the Iron- the Night King comes through in the final season and just like hey yeah uh, screw you guys I'm taking the throne
0: mm. yeah it would certainly cause some conversation, you could say that, so um, yeah I, I don't know maybe maybe, but realistically, I don't see that happening. It's just one of those interesting like, what if this did really happen kind of things um, yeah, I found so. a good
1: um YouTube channel um for Game of Thrones stuff. I think it's like good at the batch productions, and he you go through like with a lot of what ifs, um like for events in Game of Thrones, yeah, like what if um Rob didn't die in season one. Robert Brathian. Uh, What if the red wedding never happened and stuff like that? And he sees how it affects future events. Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting thing to think about.
0: Oh, Cool. What's the uh, channel called?
1: The Bat Productions.
0: Bat Productions. Okay. Nice. There is another one out it. there that there's a guy that does like deep dives on book things that could happen in the show. I can't remember the guy's name though. I'll maybe I'll try and look it up and put it in the show notes for you guys. Um. But yeah, that's it for the the end of the episode. Uh, thank you for the email, Emily. Uh, hopefully you guys will send in some more stuff. Um, you can find all the other content on entertainmenttalk.org. You can follow us on Twitter at etalkuk. And if you would like to get involved with the podcast, you can either tweet to us, you can go on the Facebook group or page, both are in your description, or you can email entertainmenttalk.hotmail.com. Those are the ways to get involved in the show, or the podcast rather, or some people call them shows, but anyway. Uh, you can support us over on patreon.com forward slash entertainment talk. You can also head to the support us page uh, from the about tab. So the about tab is the drop down menu. Um, but word of mouth and rating and, re- and reviewing us on iTunes is the best thing you can do. That will help us get found in the feeds. And um, word of mouth helps us to get spread around. So please consider doing those. Um, and yeah, until next time, we'll see you on the next piece of content. And George, please finish the damn book. Yeah. Bye please.